The scripture today comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8, the resurrection of Jesus. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of the Lord. Christ is risen. It is good to say that ancient blessing, that ancient belief that has been passed on to us from generation to generation. Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. And our generation has the challenge and the joy to make the gospel real, to make the love of God real so that it's more than just head knowledge. It's something that's lived out and enacted. Everything in Holy Week, including today, is all pointing to God's deep desire to be in relationship with us. God's deep desire to be in relationship, a relationship of love with all people and all of creation. I sense that some of us have come this morning for various reasons. One, maybe it's tradition. One, maybe our families made us come. But underneath whatever motives brought us here, I believe there is a deep spiritual hunger that God has installed in each one of us. There's a hunger to be in the flow of God's love. There's a hunger for hope in the midst of the despair that we experience in our lives and in our world. There's a longing in each of us to know what God's will is for our lives. Even when we don't spend much time actually articulating that hunger, that longing that God has installed in our very spiritual DNA. For those who are in touch with that desire to know what God's will is, the passage that Chelsea read to us today from Mark has a clue, but it's a hidden clue. The Markan community, the very first gospel that was written, knew about. So the, the women were worried as they went to anoint Jesus' dead body. They were worried 
probably about many things, but the worry that made it into the scriptures is they were worried about the stone that was rolled in front of the mouth of that tomb. How were they going to get that stone rolled back so that they could get in and anoint their Lord's body? They were met by an empty tomb and the stone had already been rolled away. And there they saw a young man dressed in white who said to them, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He's not here. He's been raised from the dead. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you and you will see him in Galilee. But then the scriptures say the women were so afraid that they ran away and did not tell anyone about this news in the Gospel of Mark. So who is it that hears the news? It's us. It's the reader of the Gospel of Mark. It's the early community of Christians that are reading this first Gospel of Mark that know, oh, there's something about Galilee that we need to pay attention to. And so the early Christians in the Markan community had to go back and start reading Mark's Gospel again to see what happened in Galilee that might be a tip, a clue, as to where we will meet the risen Christ. What happens in Galilee? That's where Jesus' teaching happens. That's where Jesus' healing happens. That's where Jesus reaches out to those who are on the margins and welcomes them in. Where inclusion of poor people brought in, where so-called unclean people are brought in, where so-called outcasts are brought in, that's where we meet the risen Christ. Now, for those of us who may have brought with us today and perhaps every day a sense of foreboding, a sense of grief, a sense of loss, a sense of loneliness, a sense of something gnawing at us that just isn't quite right. Know that that is part of the human condition and know also that that is temporary. Because we worship a God who has hope that is always the last answer. New life and new love that is always the last answer. It may not be the calendar date that says Easter when that new hope is realized. 
when resurrection happens in our own lives, it may be some other date on the calendar, but Easter is always coming. We may feel like we're stuck in a Good Friday tableau where there is just suffering. And there's a mystery to suffering that I don't understand. But I know God is with us in the midst of that suffering. And I know that God is bringing about Easter at some point. Some of us may feel like we're stuck in a holy Saturday mode where we know the losses that have happened in our lives, but we don't quite know resurrection yet. And we hold these things in tension, the despair of our losses and the hope that is unfulfilled yet. But Easter is coming. Always coming. Because God speaks the language of hope. God speaks, speaks the language of death and resurrection. God has been speaking that language of death and resurrection for about 14.5 billion years, give or take a few hundred million. I don't know what the latest scientists have discovered, but that's about how long it is back to the Big Bang, 14.5 billion years ago. And since then, God has been speaking the language of death and resurrection, death and resurrection, always bringing new life out of destruction. And we are a part of that rhythm, and we are a part of that language. So no matter what we're going through, in the no matter whatness of our lives, God is there doing something, bringing new life out of death, new hope out of despair. In the next six weeks during the season of Eastertide, our congregation is going to muse on a photo that we will project up on the walls and the photo will be an image of resurrection or an image of hope. I floated that idea a few weeks ago and I've already had people sending me photos that might be included. If you've got photos, email them to me. Hope, images of hope, images of resurrection. I can tell you some of the first ones that really got my attention. One of the youth of our congregation sent me a photo of, of, of a dried up desert, cracked mud with flowers growing out of the cracks in the mud. An image of hope, an image of resurrection. A grandmother in this congregation sent me pictures of her grandkids who were in the march for our lives. One of those marches was on the West Coast. One of those marches that her grandson was in was in Washington, D.C. And this next generation is leading us to build a community that is sustainable, to build a community that is not violent, to build a community that is just and that cares for the well-being of all people. This next generation, marching for their lives, marching for our lives, they may be a sign 
of God's hope and God's resurrection. The cosmic message of God is hope. And no matter what we're feeling, no matter what our, our brains and rational beings might be thinking, we're hardwired for hope when we are in the flow of God's love. May we hang on to that hope and share it with others. May it be so for you and for me and for the whole of creation. Christ is risen. Amen.